You're listening to Real Talk for Real Men, episode number 28. Welcome to the Real Talk for Real Men podcast. Lifestyle advice for men so powerful, you'll want to run your life on it. And now your hosts, Guy Mullen and Chris Field. Okay then, welcome back to another episode of Real Talk for Real Men. I'm Guy Mullen. And I'm Chris Field. Great to be with you. And uh, it's time to put the guy under the microscope. And so, Guy, you've had a fair bit of thinking about, about marriage. Yeah, so this is a concept I want to share with with our audience today. I want to talk about the five types of love that you need to have a mighty marriage. You mean the five love languages? No, I don't mean the five love languages. No, not Gary Chapman's, Dr. Gary Chapman's stuff about the five love okay. languages, but the, so the five, five types of love. Types of love. Five types of love. Okay. All right, so, okay, so the first type of love I want to talk about is the one that we're most familiar with, right? Well, actually, before we get there, actually, I'll start back. When we think of love, what do we think of? You know, we, lo- we use love in so many different ways. We talk about, oh, we'd love a can of Coke. Mm-hmm. We'd, we love our dog. We love our work. We love our wife. Do we yeah, mean the a, same thing? When it's a we, pretty abused word, really, isn't it? It yeah. is a pretty abused word. And the question is, what do we mean when we say love, when we're talking about a marriage? You, you have some wives that will come up and they'll say, well... I know my husband loves me, but I don't think he likes me. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, you know, and so love can be very easily easily abused. I remember when I was going out with a girl, and, and it was a long time ago, and <laughs> when I was just a young fella. This is confession time. This is confession, confession time. <laughs> and, you know, and I was tempted to say, you know, I love you. But I stopped myself and I thought, well, actually, that was a pretty powerful word to me. And yeah. I didn't think I was actually ready to say it. I said, I, I like you. I didn't actually say I love you, and but but do we actually put that importance on the word love because we say oh we love pasta or we love our we love our dog we love our cat? Can I just interrupt there? It's interesting when you hear primary school age children and possibly maybe girls, but do you think he loves you? And mm. they have no idea what the word means, but yeah. they use it as if as if it's got some real meaning to them. You know? Yeah, and so I want to talk about that for a little bit. And you know, obviously in different languages, there some languages have a lot of different words for love you know and the, the Greeks have at least six um, I'm told that the Persian language has 80 and the Tamils have 50 80? I don't know whether that's true or not wow. okay I haven't checked it out and I, I can't actually read those yeah. languages to actually verify them but so I'm told but I, I guess the point is that we use this word love but we use it for so many different meanings very universal and so I wanted to explore this a little bit as we talk about our marriage because there were different types of love that we need to cultivate in our marriage for our marriages to actually be successful, what I call to be to be a mighty marriage. And the first one I want to talk about is 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 passion. Mm-hmm. And this is the this is the type of love that most of our marriages start with. This is the boy meets girl, boy loves girl, uh, has the hots for her, and and wants to own her, wants to possess her, wants to, is thinking about her every moment of the day. Um, wants to have you know, physical relationships with her. Uh, wants to has that desire. That's that. That's that passionate. That passionate love. The love that most of us start with in marriage. And I guess you can relate to that. Do you remember what well, I can that? absolutely yes. But I'm just sort of thinking about that idea of passion. It's interesting, isn't it? Because we've got all the different shades of that, and maybe that's just we'll lose ourselves in all the different threads. But we talk about the puppy love. We talk about um, people saying, wow, look at that girl. She's a 10 out of 10. 
all the different ways in which people are distracted. You're calling that passion. Um, yeah, I suppose it's probably a combination of physical and emotional, some sort, yeah, it's of, sort of package like that. It's a sort of love which runs runs hot and fast. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, a marriage which is heavy on the passion, I would sort of call a, a, pop, uh, a pop song marriage or a pop song relationship. We're not talking about marriage, we're just talking about a relationship where it's the sort of, it's the sort of love, the sort of relationship that you hear about in the pop songs that's, that, that promises so much that it's going to last forever, that it promises that, you know, everything I do, I'm going to do it for you as the as I can only think of you. That type of thing. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it promises so much. It burns hot and fast. But if that's all there is, then the marriage, the marriage won't last because it's not a love which is able to sustain itself. So you're saying that that level of attraction, that interest we have in someone else, is in itself transient and temporary. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and if all you've got is that type of love, if that's predominantly what's going on, then you're likely to to jump to another relationship. If somebody else catches your eye, somebody else stirs those passions, you no longer feel like that. Well, that you know, I was in love with that person before, but now we're just. You know, we've we've lost interest in each other. We no longer have got that that passion. That we no longer meet each other's needs. We're drifting apart, and and somebody else catches your eye, and once again, those passionate thoughts and feelings and desires are rekindled. And you know, and before you know it, you're Elizabeth Taylor, and you've had five or six marriages, or however many. <laughs> Thankfully, I won't be Elizabeth Taylor, but I won't catch the thought here that um, uh, this if people actually believe that that kind of um, passion, as you're calling it, is love and is the only real expression of love, yes, they are going to be incredibly frustrated and they are going to bounce around every time their, their passion goes cold. So, of course, we're talking about more than just lust here. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, we want to make want to make a distinction between between what's what's passion and, and what's lust. But the I guess the the whole aspect of this is that, like I said, it burns hot. It burns fast. It can't sustain itself, yeah. and so, but it's but it's not a love which is bad. It's not evil in and of itself. It's not an evil in and of itself. Whereas, whereas, whereas lust is is just all about you. Mm-hmm. It's just all about what I can get, and it's just looking to to just possess for its own for its own sake. Mm-hmm. You know, passion within a marriage is not is not wrong, and. Uh, you know, you can have passion for other things as well, of course. And you know, and we read the Psalms of David's passion for passion for God, and we can ring this, read the the Song of Solomon's of the the writer's passion there for his for his beloved. for his bride mm-hmm. for his beloved. So passion. I don't want to get the idea that that passion is just lust, and that mm-hmm. it's and it's wrong, and that if you have a a good long standing marriage, then you shouldn't. You shouldn't worry that your passion has died out of your marriage. Your passion should still be there. Mm-hmm. So that's the that's the first love is passion. The second one. We're going to come to the second one. Okay. Or, or do you want to stay on that? No, 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 that's fine. You said there's five, isn't there? There's five. five. Yeah. Okay, right. So the, the second one is fondness. Okay. Fondness. So what do I mean by fondness? Well, just enjoying the familiarity of having somebody around you. Mm-hmm. Just that familiarity, 
so this a, doesn't have to be romantic or anything at all. It's just, no. it's just a, well, a, a quality of relationship. A quality of well, it's, a, it's just a, an affection. Mm-hmm. It's something which just builds up over time. Maybe it's like what uh, Roy a, Rogers had for Trigger. Okay. You know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or I've grown accustomed to her face, <laughs> sort of thing. So you know, or or you know, the fondness you might have for a. Uh, for a, for an old pair of boots which have mm-hmm. been through yeah. hell and high water with you type of thing you know mm-hmm. it, it's a it's a quiet warmth a comfortableness of somebody uh, having somebody beside you that provides that companionship and it is an affection it's an affection of the heart yeah in, in that lovely fondness yep it's it's not something that depends on personal qualities mm-hmm you know, you, you when you think about it in terms of a, a of an old boot, I'm not saying that you think about your wife as an old boot, but you've got an old boot. It's getting scraggly around the edges. It's uh, you know, it's lost its shine, and maybe you got a couple of holes in it. But it's you've still got a, an affection for that because of what you've been through together. Mm-hmm. And when you put your foot into it, your foot says, "Ah, I know this boot." Right, mm-hmm. right. And so, and I'm saying as a as a married couple, as you develop that that fondness for one another. It provides uh, another layer of, layer of depth of love in your marriage. Yep. We're skipping now. We, we're skipping right along. This is good. We've done two out of five now. This is great. You're not asking many questions here. No, well, I'll, I'll get to it. Don't you worry. Yeah. I mean, so I mean, so this this could be a type of uh, it's part of a type of love that you might have with a parent and child mm-hmm. as well. You know, if if you've got a fondness for one another, I mean, often you might have some. Your teenagers maybe not quite so fond of you anymore, as we talked about in one of our last mm-hmm. recent podcasts. But just a, a fondness, it doesn't necessarily depend on their personality or the things they do, or but you've just got a fondness for that person. There was a terminology that was popularized back in the 1970s called warm, fuzzy feelings. Mm-hmm. And I guess our life is enriched if we have a number of people around us with whom we have that fondness and mm. just being with them, having them in the car when they're traveling with us, sitting at the dinner table with them, chatting with them on the phone, gives us those warm, fuzzy feelings, that fondness. We're not upset that they consume our time and mm-hmm. a bit of our energy and uh, that they need a bit of bit of care and attention. It's, it's something we're quite happy to do because of our fondness for yeah, them. Yeah, that's nice. Mm. So in the, then when we take that a bit further... It's related in a lot of ways, but the third love is friendship. Friendship love. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the problems that, a key problem that I see time and time again with men is that they lack close friends. Uh, with anyone, not just with their wife, yeah. just in the general terms. Yeah. Yep. 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 And, you know, and it's, uh, um, I'm, I'm, I've fit into that category as well in the past. You know, I was, I guess, there was a time when I was, I was upset that nobody had ever asked me to be their best man. I'd been groomsman a couple of times, oh, okay. but never. It was always something I was just like I just never had that relationship that was close enough with somebody to to be to be asked to to do that, right? And and so I guess it was a symptomatic of just needing to have that level of friendship. Mm-hmm. Now, yes, we need to have manly friendships, but we should also aspire to have a level of deep friendship with our wife right and so what characteristics do you see in, in a deep friendship mm. um, 
I think the thing that I'm, I'm reflecting on as soon as you talk about friendship is a conversation I had about a month ago with uh, an elderly widow. I say elderly widow. She was probably only really in her late 70s. Um, and she was talking about the difficulty that happened with her husband because he had had the blessing of five or four. I think there were really good friends. There was a group of five, the husband and these other four guys, who'd been friends since high school. And they, they kept in touch with each other. They, they met regularly and so on. And then one by one, they began to die off. And the, the last survivor was her husband. And she made the observation that that these were friends. These were these these was a really deep kind of connection. Mm. And you couldn't turn around at the age of sixty-five or, or seventy and start rebuilding that with someone new. Mm. But bec- and because he had these really four good friends, he wasn't looking for other <clears throat> friends. He had he had a really good group of friends. Mm. But once they were gone, it was like they were irreplaceable, mm. and he was a bit at sea. Yep. But So you're talking about a depth of quality depth. of relationship. Yeah, so let's look at a, a situation outside of a marriage. So say two men who have, who have, who have been through the, a war together mm. and have survived the, the shells raining down and they've, they've come out of the trenches and they've got this, this comradeship. They've got this... They know each other. They know each other's fears. They know each other's uh, strengths and weaknesses. They've seen each other at their worst uh, as well as their best. And they still like each other, mm-hmm. and and I guess what I'm saying is that if we can develop that level of friendship with our wife, then we can take our our marriage to a far deeper level than if we just had a fondness for them and we had and we yeah. had passion for them. So, mm-hmm. so friendship is that is that uh, that type of love where uh, I guess another word for it would be kindred spirits. Mm-hmm. You know, where you can think about what the other person is going to say or think before they... You know how they'd react. You know how they're going to react. Now, I've got to be careful here because as husbands, we've got to be making sure we don't make assumptions. It's something that we tend to do as husbands. We will finish our wife's conversations for them or we won't ask them something because we know how they're going to react. Is there something wrong with that? I do it all the time. (laughs) (laughs) But our wives still like to be asked even though Mm. we might know the answer and they still want to be heard. They still want to have a voice. So, no, I'm not saying that. Okay, but I'm going to pick up something that you said there because I, I think that we need to recognize that in friendships, hitting bumps is not actually a bad thing. I oh, remembered no. a friend of mine mm. um, I haven't seen for many, many years, but when I knew him many years ago, he talked about a man who lived uh, five doors away from him. And he said, that man has to be my best friend. And I was a little bit surprised because I knew the man. He wasn't particularly a likable fellow. And he made this observation. He said... I have never argued so bitterly with someone in my whole life as with that man. Uh, one time we were there for dinner and something blew up and I stormed out of the house, left my food on the table, took my wife's hand and the kids and we stormed down back to our house five doors down down the hill and I swore I'd never go back there again. And we, we got over it. We worked through it. And he said, why I would rate that as my very best friendship is I really trust that friendship because mm. we've actually been right to breaking point mm. and seen it survive. Mm. So we're talking not, as you said, about not just fondness, but about a kind of a tested relationship, a true relationship mm. that will weather. Yeah. So if you take that example of the of men going through a war together, going through hell together, under under fire, and coming through that, they've they've got that common bond, and the relationship has been tested, and they've come out the other side. Now, and so in a marriage, the strongest marriages I know are ones which have been through a testing time. Mm-hmm. 
whatever the experience is, it could be somebody who's been sick in the family. It could be a death. It could be uh, a business failing. It could be it's something which it could be a number of things which have taken the, the relationship through some severe tests. And I often say one of the sayings that I, I love to, to pull out, one of my favorite ones, is that relationships die from ice, not from fire. And so if you only have a fondness, you've got the passion and then there's a fondness that builds up and the passion begins to die, but you haven't built a friendship, you're able to just tolerate one another. It's like going to church and just talk to people at a, at a superficial level. How's the weather? You know, I just see the football. You know, how's it going? And you might sort of go, oh, how's the family? And, you know, you're not getting down to the real depth, heart of the issue, the heart of the matter. And we all have a deep need, especially especially us men, we have a deep need for comradeship. And and if that comradeship is not met, if that friendship is not met, our wives have that too, slightly different form, but if it's not met, then eventually we'll start to wonder, well, what's the point of this marriage? Yeah, we've got a fondness for them, and still like each other, we get divorced, we can still be friends, but there hasn't been that depth of testing and understanding and of crying together and of laughing together and going through those testing friendships. So how do you build that friendship from fondness? Is, is Are you going to be clever enough to tell us that or are you just going to keep listing more things on your list? I mean, that's an intriguing question. Yeah, well, I'm not going to go into too much depth here, but just think about what you do to build friendships. One of the first things you do to build a friendship is you be friendly, mm-hmm. right? And who you would have friends must show himself friendly. Yeah, very yeah. good. And and so we need to think about what would it take for somebody to be to be my friend. And we can reciprocate that. We can we can think about what does it take to build my friendship with my wife, just like it would think about how to build a friendship with with somebody else that you want to become friends with. Well, you start to want to you put more effort in to get to know what they like. And you take an interest. And what they, the, mm-hmm. Yeah, you, and you start to ask them some questions. You spend time with them. You mm-hmm. give them some un, undivided attention. And you find Rather than looking ground. at your phone when you're listening, you look mm-hmm. at them in the eye and you face them face to face and ask them some deep questions. You know, what what's going on and what's upsetting you right now? What are the key issues that are going on in your life? What, what are your hopes and dreams? You start to get to some really powerful questions and it's not going to be easy to start with if you haven't done this before mm-hmm. and it's not going to be easy for her to answer them either if because she'll she might distrust you to, to some degree where is this coming from is you wanting something to use against me but you've just got to uh you've got to go down that path if you want to build that sort of friendship that's going to stand the test of time and that's going to satisfy your need as well as hers for that deep intimacy and friendship. And I guess if you wanted to become a friend of a new work associate uh, or someone that you've, you've met or you've decided you want to be a friend with, you would instinctively look for the common <clears throat> ground. Mm. And I guess with the spouse or the wife, you could actually look for that which really we do have in common instead of maybe looking at all the th- reasons why she doesn't fit your pro forma. Mm. And the problem here is trust because... You know, we tend to naturally trust until somebody has broken our broken our trust. And if there's a few people in the past who have broken our trust, then we may be resistant to trust someone again. But particularly in marriage, you've been married for a while, maybe there's some some trust which has been broken down. And you know, if your wife's not answering those questions, she's not develop you're not developing that friendship. If it's not going at a speed that you think it, it should and you're frustrated by it, maybe there's a there's been a trust issue and she doesn't trust you with mm-hmm. that 
with the deepest things of her heart. Mm-hmm. She can go and talk to her girlfriends and go out for coffee and chat to them about about some things, but why can't she talk to you? You mm-hmm. need to ask yourself, well, how have you broken her trust at mm-hmm. some point? Maybe that's it. Okay. So, so there's some other things which come into this idea of a kindred spirit. Obviously, obviously there's things like loyalty, mm-hmm. you know, and... Uh, and and our character what's our character like and, and trust is a function of as a part of that uh but also what is our character character like uh, can our character be trusted by our wife or are we going to use some of the things that she's told us against against her at some point down the track mm. so we need to be trustworthy she needs to be able to feel safe with what she is going to give us and that's you know if you've heard her in the past it's not going to be easy to gain back mm. So, the that's number three. We're rocking right along here. We're rocking right along. And so the fourth one is sacrificial love. Okay. This is the one which the Greeks called agape and which you read about a lot in the Bible. And this one is kind of unique because it's not the... It's, unlike any of the other three, it does not depend in any way on the other person. Mm-hmm. You choose to give it or not give it. You choose to give it or not give it. And so this is what I call a sacrificial love. And it's it's all about This is you. Much, much more an act of the will. It's a much more an act of the will. It's you choosing to love regardless of the circumstances, regardless of what else is going on. And when a marriage is on the rocks, when a marriage is near divorce or perhaps your wife has left you, then this may be the only love that is left that you can draw upon. Because there's maybe there's no passion left, maybe there's no fondness, certainly no friendship, but you can still choose to love sacrificially. So, so this is this is the powerful love, and of course, this is the love that that God talks about when He says He loves the world so much that He gave His only begotten Son. Whoever would believe in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. This is a sacrificial love and a love that just gives without depending on a return yes of course it wants a return but it but the but the love doesn't stop giving irrespective of the return to have that kind of love it really puts a high demand on our character doesn't it well it it, it puts because a, i mean some people might wish to have that puts but a just... high demand on a lot of things mm-hmm. yeah so it does but it, most of all it puts it on our on our on our will and is it is it important enough is what we're going to what are we trying to win important enough for us to give because remember you're giving you're giving you're giving and the longer that goes on then the harder that becomes and the key point i want to bring in here is that you cannot give this love indefinitely only god can okay we cannot give this love indefinitely only god can and so so, you think there was a breaking point in trying to give that yeah we can we can draw upon god Mm -hmm. his love to be able to continue, continue to give, okay. but we can't continue to give in our own in, our, in yeah, okay. of ourselves indefinitely, mm-hmm. and so that's that's the challenge with us. And you know, I, I know, I know some wives who have had husbands who have left them for a, a long time ago, and they continue to love sacrificially, uh, but they're not drawing on themselves; they're drawing on the relationship with God in order to be able to do that. To give some sort of flesh to that, or some legs to that maybe yeah. what would be a, an example of sacrificial what, what 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 would define that 
uh, it's an example of, of sacrificial love. When you still have a sacrifice, how could someone say that love I had was sacrificial, not fondness or not friendship? What what would be a a way to tell within the heart and mind of a husband if he was actually being sacrificial? Okay, so this might be might be a husband who who has been kicked out of home and the wife has the kids and, and lets him see them kids once in a blue moon, but he refuses to say anything bad about his wife in front of the kids, even though she's saying bad things about him to the kids and putting him down. She's got, shows no affection for him, no, no friendship, all that, all that is gone, but he continues to, uh, to, to love her, to, uh, maybe provide more money than he was required to by the law to look after her, to help her. Um, he continues to uplift her in front of the kids rather than put her down. Um, and maybe this and whatever other ways that he can think of still continuing to show mm-hmm. love to his wife without actually expecting anything back. I keep feeling return. like you're describing integrity or something of that sort of strength of human character to be able to do the right thing when everything inside you may not want to is really that that's what you'd need to be well it may not be that you don't want to mm-hmm. it might not be that you don't want to uh, i wouldn't necessarily say that uh it may be that that um you do indeed want to because you have a goal of winning your wife's heart back right uh you don't know whether it's going to work or not but you continue to love her and mm-hmm. serve her to to uh, because you simply love her. And so you just take the lumps, you push through the pain, you stay the course sacrificially because love demands it. Yeah, and of course there is a flip side to this and there is, a, there, is an, a, there is a potential ugly side where there's one person in the relationship who just is, provides sacrificial love and the other person takes advantage of it and just, you know, and, and abuses that and just mm. tramples them. Mm. You know, and sometimes we can we've seen that seen that both ways, a husband and a wife on either foot. But I guess the more common situation would be would be a wife who continues to to give into her family, um, to love her husband and to give to her husband, and her, and her husband just just puts all his love and attention into his work and into his hobbies, into his sports, and really shows her very little appreciation and mm. in returning that love. So the other three loves that we've been talking about, the passion, the fondness, and the friendship, they're all reciprocating. They're all giving and they're giving back. But when you've got someone who's just giving in the relationship and not receiving back, that's what I'm talking about. Okay, yeah, there's no return, no guaranteed return. Yep. That's sacrificial. Yeah, Yeah. and so when some people say, oh, well, God loves us unconditionally, and and others will say, well, that's not actually quite right. He doesn't love us unconditionally. He expects us to to return it, to return his love, to trust in Jesus, and and to love him and to love others. There's, an, there's the the unconditional part is this agape, but it's not the full it's not the full picture. It's not the full story. Mm-hmm. He loves the whole world with agape love, but then once we become part of his family, the nature of that love changes, and it becomes more like starts to build in the other types of love as well a lot more yeah a lot more relationship how much time we got left probably just a few minutes so we better get to number five or i'm going to be really annoyed (laughs) maybe we could do that next week no no no, come on you've got to finish this (laughs) okay so the last type of love is what i call 
a pragmatic love. And a pragmatic love makes your goals become a reality. There's a quick catchphrase that you can take away. So it's a practical type of love. So what do I mean by a practical yeah, type of love? Yeah, I'm looking at you thinking, you better explain this one, boy. <laughs> <laughs> a practical type of love. Well, this is, you might struggle to, I guess you might struggle to, to see this as love, but I see this as love. So you think of a, an old couple, and I'm not looking at you. <laughs> <laughs> think, of, think of someone who's been married for 60 years mm-hmm. or 70 years. They've, they've probably got some fondness. Might, maybe this passion sort of drifted away. I've still got some fondness and maybe there's some friendship, but who knows? I mean, someone could be married 60, 70 years and still never have asked those deep heart-to-heart questions. Mm-hmm. But maybe they've stayed together because it's practical for them to do so. And there's a benefit in them remaining married, of remaining okay. in a relationship. Mm-hmm. There's, there's, a, there's a pragmatism to it. Okay, yeah. So this isn't ideal. This isn't everything that I really wanted, but it, but it's where we're at, and and it's working out reasonably okay. But no, maybe they are actually happy. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so you've been. You've, I mean, there's there's nothing to be sneezed at being married for sixty or seventy years. But you know, two people who are who are who are living together, and there's it's it's been a they've been through the rocky times, and yes, there's the fondness there. So I'm not saying those other loves are completely gone. I'm just saying that there's a there's the now the predominant type of love that's going on there is is a pragmatism. It's a there's a long standing there's been a long standing relationship. There's an understanding that they have. There's a it's been an act of will for them to remain together over the period of time. And you know it's like the it's like the the man who will sit on the porch. I think you told the story. A man sit on the porch and his wife's been trying to get him to trust in Jesus for years and years and years. And he leans over to his mate says. Don't tell her, but I've actually been a Christian for twenty years. <laughs> you know, there's there's not that deepness, yeah. there's not that of that intimacy, mm-hmm. but there's a there's, there's a pragmatism. I'm not saying it's bad. No, no. I'm well, just saying it's it's a component. It's a slightly different take on the other okay. types of. So life. let me give you another picture of that. Um, someone who actually marries another person in another culture, for instance, mm-hmm. from uh, from another culture. Uh, who doesn't even necessarily uh, speak the same language. They don't, they're not even able to communicate fully because of language l- limitations. But she's totally committed to being his husband because that's what she's committed herself to. He's committed to being her wife. Mm-hmm. And in the realities of their day-to-day life and the practicalities, it all works. Yeah, so we had some friends growing up and when we lived in Wellington and they were actually an arranged marriage. They didn't know each other. Their parents arranged the marriage. And so, of course, when they got married, there was... It was very much a pragmatic marriage. Very much a pragmatic marriage. Mm -hmm. And so they needed to... They started from a different position that most of us start with. We most start with the passion and we build the others in. They started with the pragmatism. You know, they had to stay together. It would have been devastating to both their families if they hadn't been able to make it work. They started with the practicalities of it. And then they worked to grow those other loves as... As they went through their marriage. So as Tevia said, do you love me <laughs> after all these years? Yeah. So, you know, so so that the, so this love is more like a 50-50 venture. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, a partnership going on. And of itself, no, you wouldn't want to just have a marriage which just had this. It's just might, might bring flatmates. But it is, in fact, a reality that does impact the way marriages work. Yeah. It is a love that marriages can enjoy. Yes. And so... And so where I'm getting to with this as we close, that 
it's a good time, good thing to reflect on how is our marriage in those different five areas? Where are we strong at? Where have we got some weaknesses that we can put some attention on? You know, maybe we're young marriage and we've got a lot of passion. You know, we're on fire for one another. You can't stop there and just rest on your laurels and expect that'll last forever. You need to spend some time building a friendship, a deep friendship. I was fortunate with before I got married to my wife, we were already, we'd been best friends for a long time before we got married. And so that set us on a really good foot. We were pretty short on the pragmatism side of things. We didn't really know how to make things work. Um, and we probably weren't too good on the on the so the sacrificial side either, well, particularly I wasn't. But, um, you know, so we all come from different places. But what I would suggest is that when you look at your marriage and you look at these different types of five different types of love, where do you need to put some attention? Mm-hmm. And all five could and should be part of the way a marriage, a healthy marriage is actually at work. Yeah, it doesn't mean that you need to be off the scale on all of them because mm-hmm. we're all different and, you know, all our relationships are different. But... I'm saying if you want to make your marriage better, if you want to make it mighty as a mighty marriage as I call it, then you need to look at these different areas and think, okay, where am I just falling a little bit short on? Where do I just need to put a little bit of attention and to make my marriage better? Do I need to be serving my wife a bit more without expecting anything in return? Is she serving me too much? Do I need to serve her? So the sacrificial love. Do I need to to spend some one on one time with her and you know and, and talk about some of the deep things of her heart? think about her who hopes and dreams you know or do i need to go and take whisker away for a few nights away and, and rekindle the passion that we had so that's what i'm i'm, I'm calling on men to think about fantastic i'm really glad that we invited you to sort of share that with us that's great and a lot of thought-provoking ideas in there i'm not quite sure what you do in the situation like the husband who said to his wife We've been married for 43 years and haven't agreed on a thing. And she just folded her arms and said, it's 44. <laughs> All right. We better end at about we, that point. <laughs> we better end it there. Thanks, for men, for listening. Don't forget our website, www.realman247.org. And on Facebook, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, what do you think of our podcast? What would you like to have us do a topic on? Maybe you'd even like to come on the show. We'd love, we'd love to hear to from you. you. Yeah. We will talk about just about anything. Yep. And we, we will love to have you back with us on the next show. Until I'll see then. you then. Bye-bye. Yeah. Thanks for listening to the Real Talk for Real Men podcast at www.realmen247.org.